everybody. This is P. Norman Grant with another edition of The Grapefruit Agenda, where we summarize, analyze, criticize, synthesize, metastasize, and sometimes hyperbolicize what passes for news in our sphere these days. Why grapefruit? Because we're sweet on conservatism and sour on liberalism. And emanating from the grapefruit capital of the world, the Treasure Coast, Indian River County, P. Norman Grant, and you, you grapefruiters, talking about the three P. No, not the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs may three P. That means three in a row. The Super Bowl, one, two, next time? Not sure. Three P. But here's the real three P. The real three P is Obama's three P. Biden's the puppet for the Obama puppet masters. That's the issue of the day. I'm going to throw out some names right away. People are the puppeteers of Obama because, for Obama, of Biden, because Biden obviously can't do the job. He's not doing the job. Well, who's doing the job? Who's welcoming all these people across the border? Who's throwing out the, the, the COVID money, causing inflation, rising prices? Who's emptying the jail cells? Who's inviting terrorists to come across the border? A few days ago, 267 Chinese were arrested one day crossing the border. People from one country. Terror? Wonder. How about throwing out some names? I want to throw out some names of people who might be the puppeteers. How about people like Valerie Jarrett? How about Samantha Power? Loretta Lynch might still be hanging around. How about Eric Holder? Eric Holder, still hanging around. David Pluff, still hanging around. How many times do they go to the White House? How many times can we see that they signed into the White House? How about, how about Fannie Willis? In fact, during the trial the other day, one of the defendants, they call them the defendant, defendant lawyers for Trump, asked Fannie just offhandedly, uh, when you went to Washington, did you go to the White House? No. She's, she was ready for that question. No, she didn't go. Really? Let's check on that. How about check? Let's check Alan Bragg, too. Alvin Bragg. How about Letitia James? Letitia James and Ergeron, the judge who just tried to suck $350 million out of Trump and stop his businesses. Why was he so prejudged, the judge? Because he thought Trump was what Letitia James said. He's a dirtbag, and I'm going to run against him every day. And when Letitia James said, she's taking a victory lap, and she says, the scale and scope of Trump's fraud is staggering. So, too, is his ego. So they want to take $350 million, shut his business down, because, as the, the judge said, he found him guilty all by himself, this judge did, and he didn't respond to questions. He just gave speeches. And so that's worth $350 million, and shutting down the number one candidate, president on the Republican side for 2024 because of his ego and he talks too much. And so there must be people around this White House who are running this show. You think Letitia James has been to the White House? She has. So has Alvin Bragg. And Fawny Willis? No. How about George Soros? Who are the people that are running these campaigns for these people? As a matter of fact, Fannie Willis said that she took some money out of her political campaign so that she could get cash and so she could pay her boyfriend so they could go to the Bahamas, Belize, and Napa Valley and drink 
Well, he drinks wine and she drinks Grey Goose. So glad we all know that because she's a classy little lady, isn't she? So did uh, Phony Willis go there? Is she an extension of the White House? And so if this is a three-peat of Obama, Obama had two, couldn't do three. Matter of fact, in some of the polls, I'm looking at polls, real clear politics, and on the Democrat side, Joe Biden is up around, uh, he's about 67%. And then you have Gavin Newsom down around 9%. And down at the bottom of the polls, the possibility of polls, you see the word Obama, 3%. So the polls are saying that there's a 3% chance that Obama would be elected president. Not Barack Hussein, Michelle Obama. They're still holding out. As a matter of fact, one of my theories is that right before the election, well, the, the campaign, the Democratic Convention, Joe Biden will be nominated. But I don't think Kamala is going to make it across the line. People I know who are dead in the water Democrats, they say we nobody but Biden. But Kamala's on her way out. And I believe you're going to have a Gavin Newsom fill the role of vice president. Two months after Biden's illegitimate election, he's going to step down and Gavin Newsom will be the president of the United States. Why? Because he's a socialist. He's living on white guilt and he wants more brown people and black people and yellow people and all kinds of red people. He's buying into this, buying into the stuff that Valerie Jarrett and Sam Samantha Power and Loretta Lynch all started up. They're there. They're there. That's the three P. That's the three P. They're going to have another inclination, another iteration, another resurrection, a return of the Obama White House. So to start this off, though, I'm looking at the people coming across the border, and so is the Washington Examiner. So the first thing they have in the editorials of the Washington Examiner, as we go into the three P story, is the story of the re-election of President Naib Bukele of El Salvador. It's welcome news, says the Washington Examiner. His success shows that security is a prerequisite for happiness and freedom. Lacking security, people set aside the pursuit of happiness and ambition and focus on simple survival. Lacking security, the innocent are left easy prey for the vicious and the violent. So just ask Holder with the fast and furious gun walking. They call it gun walking, not gun running. By Obama's Obama's Attorney General, Eric Holder, who came up with the idea that there was just too many people being incarcerated. Not unlike George Soros. George Soros runs on the idea that there are too many black people in jail. And so we're going to have free bail. No bail. Just come and go. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to be a United States citizen to stop on a cop and get re-released. Get re-released. Because there's just too many people of color in jail. So we got to release them all. This is Eric Holder's side, too. In fact, Eric Holder was one with uh, Obama who said there were just too many people in jail, especially people of color. That's where the people of color started, that whole phrase. After the Portland shooting, they realized that this guy, Nicholas Cruz, had a brother that they're investigating for not only truancy, but trespassing, and he had the arms. And so they, went, they didn't arrest him. He was not arrested. Either was Nick Cruz. Cruz is like a nut, a Parkland shooter. But if Eric Holder and Obama didn't come out to say we want less kids of color suspended in school, they, they iterated this 
in Florida and all over the country. We want less people of color, black and brown kids, suspended. And so they didn't suspend Nick Cruz or his brother. His brother was actually, he was, he was taken out. But the kid, the kid brother, the black brother, is a stepbrother, I guess, with Nick Cruz, were really just antisocial people. But we can't, we can't, we can't arrest him for trespassing. We can't arrest him for owning a gun illegally because there's just too many people of color in jail. So that was Eric Holder's legacy, just the same as Soros today. Soros is still around, speaking all over the place. In fact, paying for Fonnie Wallace's candidacy. Letitia James got money from Soros, so did Alvin Bragg. Coincidence? Keep him out of jail. So they want to keep him out of jail down in El Salvador, too. And so the Washington Examiner, in their editorial, is making a case for getting hard on crime. Isn't that new? But here's what they say. Bukele is loved by his nation because he has rescued it from the grip of murderous gangs. In doing so, he has provided long-suffering people with a new sense of optimism. The data tell the tale. Between 2019 and 2021, thousands of El Salvadorians were murdered each year. But in 22, the numbers dropped to 495. And then to 23, in 23, it fell again to 154. This is one of the lowest homicide rates in the Americas. How did Bukele achieve this staggering improvement with belated but decisive action? Bukele sent the army and police into gang strongholds as part of a territorial control plan to restore security. But you know what else they did? They sent all those people here. Those are the people crossing the border. It's very easy to see. Washington Examiner couldn't see it. As Trump so eloquently said early on in his election campaign, they're not necessarily sending us their best. So here's one of my favorites, journals, the Washington Examiner, missing the point. They're cracking down on the gangs. There are very few gangs left because they're all here. I suspect, possibly, and we don't know because they're trying to keep people out of jail, that the shooters in the parade, in the, the, uh, the march, the parade for, and the, and the rally for the Kansas City Chiefs, people were shot, 20 people were shot, one person was killed. This lady that was killed, a Hispanic woman, had a podcast. She was a very famous gal. A tragedy. Do we know the names of these kids yet? Are they legally here? Are they kids? Are they Chinese kids? Are they Lithuanian kids? Do they have any identity? The left is so hip on getting an identity for you and your kids. But when two people shoot up this whole rally and, and pop, pop fest of the KC cheese, we don't know who they are. We want to see a picture. Can we see a picture? No. You know, we, we have to protect people, and we don't want any more people in jail. So when we see the restore security uh, actions in, in South America, uh, really a part of the security is to bring them here. Here they are. Maybe the kids were shooting. They certainly had a 15-year-old kid in New York shoot inside a store, shot a Brazilian tourist in a store in New York City. Didn't show his face, but they say he was an illegal. So it's fun to see that the editorials of the Washington Examiner appraising this president. This is the first page. First page of the magazine, people. And they get the story wrong. And it's not getting tough on the people who are there. There are very few people left. They're all coming here. So the main article in Washington Examiner is The Puppet in the White House, subtitled Biden Seeks a Second Term While Completing Obama's Third. That's the title on the cover. Obama's Three-Peat. Repeat, as in three terms. So, this is written by a guy named David Fredoso. 
And we start with his words. He ran two or three times. He never got above 1%, Donald Trump said, of Joe Biden in 2019. Biden only got 1% until he went racial down in South Carolina, folks. Remember that? Clyburn in South Carolina? Yeah. Biden got his butt kicked in New Hampshire, Iowa. Go down to South Carolina, and you got some people that know Obama very well. So, and then Obama came along. This is again for Doso now. And then Obama came along and took him off the trash heap, and he became the vice president. How did he do that? Why would Obama take this loser, one percenter, Joe Biden, and make him his vice president? It was an amusing way to insult the former vice president, what Trump said. He never got above one percent. Insult the former vice president at the time, perhaps less so after Biden went on to win the Democratic nomination, defeat Trump, we think. No, he really didn't. And become president. Still, the characterization rang true insofar as Barack Obama's choice of Biden as running mate in 2008 struck many people justifiably as an odd one. The Obama camp among Democrats is an unspoken claim regarding Biden. It is not that he does not matter. He might have the title of president, but it is the young radical aides from the Obama era who are really running the country in his name. Once again, I'm going to name some of these people, and one of them is Eric Holder. He's still around. How about Valerie Jarrett? She was born in Iran, Valerie Jarrett. Didn't know that. One of the advisors. Samantha Powers. Samantha Powers. Harvard Law professor, speechwriter for Obama, ambassador to the U.N., she was a Benghazi explainer. Remember Samantha Power? Loretta Lynch, how about the Attorney General for before Eric Holder? Got a bunch of them. A bunch of them still there. They're still there. They're at the White House. David Pluff, Eric Holder. Alvin Bragg, Fanny Willis, Letitia James, they all go there too. They're all running around the White House. This is the three peat. Obama's people. These are Obama's people. So, Ron Klain, about Ron Klain? Joe said when he got uh, to be vice president, he said, well, we got this ticket in the right order, he is said to have told senior advisor Ron Klain. But as number two, Biden was not always a good fit. Jonathan Alter wrote in this book, The Promise, Obama was, quote, surprised and angry when his vice president's presidential candidate seemed to say something stupid every few days. And this is when Joe had it together, or half together. As his administration came together, Obama increasingly regarded Biden as a filterless chatterbox and suspected him or his aides of most of the leaks about his cabinet picks. Walter relates that Biden was deliberately excluded from many important conversations about personnel as a consequence. Don't put Joe in the loop. Don't put Joe in the loop. He's the vice president. He may have known then that that's part of the insurance. I mean, if there were any crazed assassins out there, why would you... You wouldn't want to kill the president because then you've got Joe Biden. I mean, it's almost the same now. Kamala Harris is the insurance policy. So all of the blundering constitutes the case that left-wing Obama world makes against Biden's presidency. He's actually said a few things about Biden's presidency. He could F up a wet dream, as he said. All this blundering. They saw him as indiscreet, not very competent, lacking Obama's political touch, and untrustworthy. This is from the Washington Examiner, folks. This view, combined with Biden's challenges in office, has inspired zealous commentaries from some prominent Democrats, such as David Axelrod, cnn file, about Biden stepping aside in favor of someone who can win in 24, 
and govern efficiently. But the Obama camp is an unspoken case in favor of Biden, too. And it is, more, it is a more interesting one. It is also one that Trump frequently articulates, both in speeches and online, mocking Biden's age and lack of mental acuity. It is that Biden does not matter. He might have the title of president, but it is the young radical aides from the Obama era who are really running the country in his name. Setting aside any insinuations there about Biden's sharpness, the analysis holds up pretty well that Obama holdovers, therefore to some extent Obama himself, are running the show. Can't we get some hackers to find emails from Washington or Nantucket, wherever he and Michelle are hanging their hats? Where are the communications from Obama to the White House and the, the puppeteers in the White House? Because it's, not, it's just obvious Joe's not running this. Biden's administration is so derivative of Obama's that one could be forgiven for thinking the former president is still in charge. That's what we're saying. He's not in charge. Biden has not lived up to his modest promise of healing the country. But it isn't because he's personally a reflexive extremist. He has rather become an empty vessel for all inclusive Obama-era leftism, which keeps evolving into something ever more extreme. So this is Obama's third term. No, the fingerprints on Biden's policies are not his own. They are those of Obama. There is no evidence that Obama is secretly pulling the strings from his home in the Calorama neighborhood of Washington, D.C., nor of any grand bargain between the two men, as the one Gerald Ford tried to impose on Ronald Reagan as a condition of becoming his running mate in 1980. Rather, Obama's influence lives on in a presidency staff with people he originally hired. Biden's lack of original ideas has left all of those Obama alumni free to pursue the same goals they were working toward a decade ago. What we get consequently is the restoration of Obamaism, but without the youth, energy, reasonable facade, articulacy, charisma, or coolness of the former president. The Washington Examiner goes on. The one thing there is more of now rather than less is intensity. Administration officials now pursue their aims with greater ideological fever, fervor, realizing that they can get away with a lot more now than they could in 2014. All the things that Obama tried, the Paris Accords. Uh, let me read this from the examiner. Obama's Paris Climate Agreement could be coming back. It's back. Bring it back, they said. Obama's rule about independent contractors, about business franchises, about not disciplining non-white students in public schools. Aha, Eric Holder about dubious campus trials of students accused of sexual misconduct. Thus, the not only the Me Too movement, but penalizing people for uh, becoming romantic is harassment. It's punishable. It is punishable in a way that you do not get a, co a court or a jury. There's an unofficial student group that just kicks you out of school. I've seen it happen. Boston College. So all of them have been, well, here we are, about not disciplining uh, non-white students in public schools, about dubious campus trials of students, okay. About federal authority over wetlands, about the farmers, they're getting their, their, their wetlands taken up by the federal government because they shouldn't be making that much money on cattle. All of them have been, says the Washington Examiner, all of these ideas have this disinterred. Disinterred is to exhume a body to take a dead body up out of the ground and use it for maybe a Frankenstein. All of them have been disinterred. 
course, the problem with copying an earlier presidency is the risk of falling out of touch with current circumstances. Like Obama, Biden made his first legislative initiative a stimulus bill, but it took shape in a situation where stimulus made less sense than it had in Obama's time. Say what you will about the faults of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, it was a logical attempt to stoke production and get out from under a severe financial crisis and recession. That was 2009. However, Biden's version after COVID was just give everybody some money. Just give everybody some money. Was that the cause of inflation? One of them. How about the immigration coming back? The immigration crisis that was there before Trump, during Obama, he wanted them to come in. When Biden thoughtlessly scrapped Trump's Remain in Mexico policy for asylum seekers, the 2014 crisis simply resumed. For its cause lingered. The confluence of a 2008 federal law and a court precedent on the treatment of child migrants. Remember, they're, they're putting kids in cages, they said. Not Obama. Oh, no. Obama made the cages. But while Trump was there, they said, well, they can't have these kids come across the border with their parents and then separate them at the border. Well, how about the kids not even having their parents? Parents have stayed in Mexico. And the traffickers are taking the kids over because that's what's making the money. And that's what's getting the traffickers in because they're posing as fathers and daddies and mommies. But they really are the cartels. So by putting out the welcome sign once again and inviting exploitation of this 15-year-old loophole to anyone claiming asylum, Biden encouraged desert treks by children, human smuggling, and a new crisis in major cities. To say nothing of all the fentanyl smuggling that mass migration is shielding from an overwhelmed border patrol. Unlike in Obama's time, there was no struggle to fix the problem. Only an urgent effort to process, release, and strand as many migrants as possible in South Texas. This may, make, be, this may be making the immigration problem great again for Trump. Let me have this witty, this witty section said again. Listen to this. This may his messing up at the border, his intentional letting in, this, the invasion at the border. This may be making the immigration problem great again for Trump. All right, so last, let's wind it up. The Iran nuclear deal. How about the Iran nuclear deal? So Obama gave uh, $400 million, right? Just as he was leaving office, $400 million. But Biden had to up him. The Iran nuclear deal, already controversial in 2015, had become considerably more so by 2023. When Biden tried to unfreeze and release $6 billion in assets to Iran, it's for humanitarian purposes only. Trust the Iranians. He was offering to fund the country that had been supplying Russia with the drones raining death upon Ukrainian civilians for more than a year. Incidentally, that attempted release of funds represents another incremental upgrade over Obama, whose secret airlift of greenbacks to Tehran in January 2016 amounted to a comparatively paltry $400 million. So Biden's trying to, not trying, he's reproducing. He's reproducing. It's another iteration. It's a restoration. It's a continuation. It's a three-peat. Biden's White House, with its warmed-over Obamaism, is what Biden is running on. And that's what Obama is depending on. Great Brutus. Well, let's see. This edition has been brought to you by my book. My book, Tales of Young Patriots, 12 Short Stories of American History, Young People in Patriotic Situations Throughout Our History. So it's available. You can Google the title, Tales of Young Patriots. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and like that. Go out and buy the book. This is P. Norman Graham, and we'll catch you another time to squeeze in another Grapefruit Agenda.